0: Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So... You want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it.
1: Date now on Bumble. Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, sales of my new book, All in the Same Boat, continue to exceed my expectations, so thank you to all of those who have placed your orders. I really appreciate it. We're going to continue to take pre-orders until May 15th, so get your pre-order in. And Just as a reminder, uh, there will be more than 80 prizes given away when we do our live book launch. So, This is something I want to do a little bit differently, and I talked about it last podcast, so just a reminder... There's going to be more than 80 prizes given away during the live book launch, and uh, the grand prize is this gorgeous hand-carved custom American wooden flag from the Sasquatch Flag Company. This thing's gorgeous. I don't have one myself, but I'm excited that uh, I'm going to give one away. I'm probably going to purchase one on my own as well uh, to have here in the podcast studio. So that's the grand prize. Other prizes include... Oh, uh, coffee from the Bottom Gun Coffee Company. We got coffee mugs from of Vets. Bourbon glasses. Of course, everybody needs a bourbon glass from Sailors and Sticks. We have challenge coins, uh, which are actually bottle openers from Test Depth. And we also have other books. So The Uncomplicated Coach by Neil Woodson. We're going to be giving away five of those. And we're going to be giving away 50 books by John Brubaker called The Coach Approach. So these uh, all these prizes will be given out in the live book launch, and you're only eligible to get these prizes if you order a book during the pre-order period, which ends on May 15th. So I encourage you to get out there and um, get your copy of this book. Uh, it's at allinthesameboatbook.com. Uh, so get get out there, get your uh, pre-orders in, and I guarantee this will be the most interesting leadership book you will read in 2021. I spent more than two years writing this book, and it's filled with uh, 50 stories from my days on uh, the USS Tennessee as a submarine officer and then how I took those lessons I learned and applied them into running nine different manufacturing businesses across my career. So if you were looking for a very interesting really different leadership book and one that you can you know capture some ideas from a different industry and bring them into your industry this is your book so i encourage you to go to allinthesameboatbook.com and get your order in before may 15th so time's running out get your book and get uh your opportunity to get one of these prizes So as a reminder, the best way to support this show is to continue to support my sponsors, BottomGunCoffee.com and IHaveTheWatch.com. And if you use the discount code DEEP at checkout for both of these uh, websites, you will get a discount. Well, that's it for all the pre-show ritual. Today, my guest is Karen Reed. Karen is an Emmy Award-winning on-camera communications expert. She trains leaders to communicate better, especially in remote meetings and presentations. She has a new book out called Suddenly Virtual, which guides leaders on how to get the most out of online communications. You know, I think at this point, everybody thinks they're an expert on Zoom, but there's so much more to Zoom than we realize, and Karen helps us unpack those ideas. This was a powerful interview and a very timely interview. So, are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Karen Reed. Karen is a two-time author and on-camera communications expert. She is CEO of Speaker Dynamics, where she helps business professionals become more effective on-camera communicators. Her new book, Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work, is the definitive guide for businesses looking to make their meetings more effective in this increasingly remote working environment. I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about this important leadership topic. So Karen, welcome to the show.
0: John, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation.
1: And I am looking forward to it as well because this is such a timely topic and this is such a timely book. Uh, and I understand it just came out. It's been it's been out for a month now, is that correct?
0: That is correct. And, and so far, so good. Sales are going well and a lot of people are finding uh, value in it. We got some nice reviews. You know, it's always a, a bit... Uh, anxiety-inducing to get a review, but they sure. said nice things. So, you know, that was uh, great to see.
1: That's great. And I'm excited for you. I'm excited about this book. And again, it's the perfect book for the time we're in right now. So let's, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your background and then what you do at Speaker Dynamics.
0: Okay, absolutely. I'll give you the, the kind of the the executive summary of why I do what I do, why I'm right. in this position. So I began my career and as a broadcast journalist, uh, okay. worked primarily for NBC, uh, interviewed luminaries like Muhammad Ali, wow. won an Emmy along the way. Wow. And, and then I left the business actually in 2004 to apply my skills in the corporate world. And what I found is that I would be hired as the professional on-camera spokesperson, but then they'd pull somebody in from the corner office or the corner cubicle and expect them to perform on camera at the same level of skill as I did with no training. Right. And I thought, okay, for one thing, that that's patently unfair because it requires a different skill set to communicate to a camera. Uh, and it also is not a good thing for your, your corporate brand or their personal brand. So I wanted to fill that skill gap. And so I created Speaker Dynamics um, about a decade ago to do wow. just that. So. Wrote a book called On-Camera Coach, which encompasses the methodology uh, of on-camera communication. Uh, And as you can imagine, over the past uh, year, on-camera communication skills have become mission critical for so many people
1: absolutely yeah Yeah, absolutely so you never knew that you'd be in this world where everything went virtual but suddenly you're here
0: yeah and and, you know but I I did see a trend where Mm. uh, people were using video more and more often and the people who were in front of the camera were the decision makers the doers they were not the the professionals like you see sometimes on commercials, these are real people. You know, that's true, that's what people want to see. So, with that in mind, I wanted to help people feel more comfortable and confident because even if you are a very confident public speaker, have no problem addressing a, a crowd uh, in person. If you put them in front of a camera lens, sometimes they are reduced to a puddle of sweat, and <laughs> that, that's not fair. Let me help you to be able to break through that because, right. um, you know, I feel like my is get all the brilliance inside people's heads out of their mouths and into the world. And so whatever I can do to give them confidence to do that uh, is what I, I try to do.
1: No, that's really important. I know I worked in corporate America for years. I was in senior management positions and we went to crisis communication training and They actually had reporters and and camera crews come in and, you know, ask us questions. And, you know, you, you get that deer in the headlight look when you see sure. that camera in front of you the first yeah. time. And yeah. and uh, I think it was really powerful. So we had someone similar to you helping us learn how to communicate in a crisis and uh, that was really one of the most important trainings I ever went through in my entire career so it's really important.
0: Well thank you I appreciate that and I, and it's funny because a lot of people who leave um, the broadcast journalism uh, career end up going into crisis communications but oh, on yeah, that yeah. really wasn't that interesting to me right. uh, because I, you know, I do feel like I'm doing what my life's purpose is. I, mm. I think I've, I've been a cheerleader you know, all my <laughs> life for other people just to help them to uh, be raised up. Uh, and, and whenever you're doing crisis communications, it's more like playing defense. You know, mm. I wanted to put people in a position where they could play offense, but in a positive way, you know, I like that your ideas out there. And, you know, so it's communicating through a camera rather than trying to like, push the camera back and say, so, so it's it's kind of a, a distinction that I saw an interest in, um, you know, pretty early on, just because you know there are so many different media channels and everybody was filling it, uh, but they were filling it not that well. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. being able to empower people to use this really powerful medium, um, you know, I think is is you know something that was necessary and needed ten years ago. It's imperative now.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That that was my next question. So, you know, in the past year if you look at the kind of clients or the customers that you would interface with what what have been the changes in the past year with the things that they're coming to you and and asking for help what's what's been the change in focus
0: it's a dramatic change okay. in in our business for sure um literally in the month of march 2020 our business tripled so we went oh, from wow. training the yeah. executive leadership team to training the entire enterprise oh, so wow. Uh, you know, People were coming to me and saying, hey, we've got a product launch. We have to train our entire sales force how to virtually sell this. How wow. can we do this? Um, and that happened time and time again. Uh, so as a result, I had to figure out a way to scale up my team quickly and also come up with new ways of delivering the training. So mm. one of the things that we've done is create an online training platform called speaker dynamics university oh, nice. uh, where, where people yeah. can go into this course and it's self-paced and it allows you to build skill over time uh, but come away with the same level of knowledge that you would if you were for example in one of our high touch workshops um, right. which are you know fitting about 10 people per workshop but if you're training 800 people that's not feasible (laughs) to be able to do that in workshop form. So it's, it's really been uh, a great way to, you know, scale the training and, and, and kind of give um, a way for people to get access to these skills, um, you know, know, in a, in a self-paced way.
1: No, I like that. That's very good. Yeah. I know. uh, It's funny because I've had to do a lot of sales visits, customer visits virtually now, which is a bizarre thing where I would dial in and, and I'm, I'm trying to demo a product, you know, holding it up and, <laughs> and, uh, just it was really interesting. I mean, you know, they all tended to go okay, but it was definitely skill sets I've never had before, yeah. you know, holding up a product and trying to point to the features and, and, yeah. uh, you know, and doing presentations, remote presentations. So definitely out of my comfort, comfort zone in the past year trying to do what I had to do with, uh, with, with customers and with the, you know, industry events I attended virtually. So,
0: um, well, one yeah. of the things that I try to impress upon people is, the camera it in my view is it's almost like a living thing you know the mm. camera is the conduit to your conversation partner, and if you interact with it as such, it can feel a lot more comfortable for you, and right. also help you to better resonate with the person on the other side. Because sometimes people just, you know, consider the the, the camera lens to be this um, disinterested bystander, but it's not. This is the way you reach your people. Uh, right, so understanding, right. you know, how to leverage that is really key, and understanding, you know, that it's really all about having a conversation mm. and less about a performance and the, and it's actually a pretty close conversation because you're as close to your conversation partner as your eyes to your webcam and their screen to right,
1: their eyes. Right.
0: So it, it's more like you were talking to somebody like at a trade show, for example, for right,
1: you, right. Um, yeah.
0: where you're just like, across the table from them and you're demonstrating your stuff as opposed to being up on stage and presenting like that if you go into that what I call presenter mode then that at best looks inappropriate and at yeah. worst you can come across as like almost fake oh, yeah, uh, so if you yeah. allow yourself to just remember you're having a conversation with somebody who can't see it quite as well as you want to right right it can usually make you come across better
1: Nice. I like that. I like that. Having a conversation versus doing a a presentation. I like that. It's more authentic, I would imagine. It's more like an authentic uh, conversation
0: absolutely and yeah. it's not a performance um because as soon as we perform then we create all these additional barriers to our effectiveness because suddenly we're less a lesser version of ourselves right. uh, and we want to be perfect and when we try to be perfect the more difficult that becomes so I let like that it. go
1: yeah, <laughs> allow yeah.
0: yourself just to be genuine you
1: <laughs> yeah i love it uh, there's a, a you know the show dirty jobs micro you've heard yeah. Of him, yeah. yeah so he says um the reason they they're, they're their show was so successful for so many years is they did one take and that was it. And he said, there's authenticity in a one, in one take. And I think part of podcasting and what makes it special is it's a conversation and it's sometimes, you know, we're we're not, it's not a perfect, uh, you know, the words aren't always perfect. We're having a conversation. I think people, when they listen to those podcasts, they, you know, they take more away from it because it's an authentic conversation and not something that's, uh, you know, you know, it's not a one way street. It's a two way communication and it's, uh, it's very authentic. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and yeah. that's the way I even in my TV news days, I would conduct my interviews I and mean, people would say, so what, what are you going to ask me? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I <think laughs> the conversation goes um, right. Because, you know, I, I felt like I was going to be a better listener as a result because I didn't have a planned list of things I was going to ask. And and it would be more interesting for the viewer as well, because if my mind is Mm. going somewhere, their mind is probably going there as well.
1: Yeah, that's nice. I like that. So let's talk about Zoom. So we live in Zoom world right now, at least it feels (laughs) like it in some cases. And, um, you know, and I think everybody would probably say that they have things they don't like about zoom meetings and, and, and virtual meetings. But in your opinion, what are, what are some, you know, areas or why do you feel like video collaboration is still a really important tool that we have to use? Why? why, why what are the advantages and, and why should we, you know, not really hate Zoom as much as we do?
0: <laughs> well, I mean, in, in some ways right now, we're still in a state where the majority of us still have to use this in order right. to connect uh, because lots of places are not open yet, um, you know, at least in full. Uh, so at best, we're moving into perhaps a hybrid uh, workforce. But People who are co-located still need Mm. to talk to the people who are remote. Uh, So the only way to do that is through a video collaboration Mm. platform. Uh, It creates a lot of additional challenges for especially the facilitator of that meeting, uh, and we can delve more into that. But what I would say Mm. is, the, the whole idea of Zoom fatigue and some, some of the, the bashing, it's it's not the platform's fault. Right,
1: right, it's it not. It is
0: user error uh, and, yes, and, and, yeah. and an over-reliance on using video collaboration platforms as the default for every human touch point Because right. it's easy, right? You know, hey, I want to talk to you. I'm just going to send you a Zoom link or I'm going to send right, you a WebEx right. link. You know, that could possibly be something that you do via email. Maybe you Mm -hmm. send out a a message over a Slack channel. Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a phone call. Not every human touch point needs to be a um, video call that shows up on your calendar and just clogs up space because then I'm sure you've had the situation john where you're like back to back to back to back meetings oh, yeah. all day yeah. and you're like when am i ever going to get my actual <laughs> real work right. done right? right um and and it's sapping of your energy it's exhausting to be in this space for prolonged periods of time yeah. so what i would say is use video meetings the way they should be used use them whenever you are trying to collaborate when you're trying to Ideate when mm. decisions need to be made, and people all need to have a voice, and you need to listen to everybody's opinions. Uh, and anything that's information sharing, think about doing it in a different modality. Uh, and sometimes that is video. You know, I'm seeing right. a, a rise in what I call asynchronous video, where, like, for example, say that you wanted to do an update, John. Uh, you record yourself in this space, yeah. Uh, deliver your message, and then you can send it off to your employees and let them watch it in their own time and that gives them flexibility so that they don't have to you know have something else specifically on their calendar they can watch it uh, whenever they have time maybe even on like 2x
1: yeah right right
0: but, yeah. but you know so I feel like what video meetings are great for is creating that connection it yeah. allows you to read the nonverbals um if you just do it on teleconference that body language which is critical oh, yeah it's read intent, it's gone you yeah, have no missed. way of yeah. knowing how your message is being received right um, because you can't like even those subtle nods like I can see yeah. yourself like that is an encouragement that says okay he's with me I can continue on right I can, right I can delivery accordingly. And and then when people are trying to, you know, read your intent of your message, if you don't have video on, um, that also becomes much more difficult.
1: I agree. Yeah, I agree. That's why you know when i'm doing these interviews i like to have a video on just so i can see you know see who i'm talking to and have that interaction i was i was going to say you know when i worked uh, my last um, my last job in corporate america i was running a very large engineering team and i had uh, most of the team was down in mexico and we had regular uh weekly staff meetings but i always made sure it was always uh with video mm-hmm. because we were all kind of sitting around the same table even though It was a bit of a virtual table that, you know, half the team was down there and half the team was here. But I thought that was really important that they could see my face and see how I was communicating and the intent behind the words, especially where English was a second language as well, too. And so I thought it was very important that we have it as video. And I think those meetings were much more effective because we used video and not just an audio conference call.
0: If you have a global team and if you have non-native speakers, um, mm. you you need to give them the opportunity to read all of your non-verbals in addition right. to hearing what you have to say and, and vice versa as well. So yeah, I think that's critical. And one of the things I wanted to mention too, John, is just as a result of these virtual meetings, you know, there has been more even participation that we've observed across mm. the board because everybody shows up in a very egalitarian way. Everybody's box is the yes. same size there's yes. no hiding <laughs> you know in the back of the room right and so a skilled facilitator will be able to draw out participation from everybody across the board and mm-hmm. even you know using the chat function Allows people to participate in a, a less intimidating way too, and then that can be equally valued, provided that the facilitator attends to the chat and makes right, sure to right. to read what's coming in and then incorporates it into the discussion. So, so there is um, a sense that um, there's a greater um, you know sense of, of people actually all participating, uh, you know, rather than just a couple of people monopolizing the conversation.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that's one thing I really do like about it having done a lot of uh, virtual training now for the past year mm-hmm. is that I really do like the fact that you have the chat function there and that's something that you wouldn't normally get in a if I'm doing a presentation in front of a bunch of students um I I don't know what they're thinking and I and 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 they could be taking notes or what have you but the chat function is one that's very unique because I think you almost get a sense of what the the listener is uh they, what they heard and what they're thinking about as as you're talking about a particular message, and um, and one of the things I like about it even more is that it kind of brings out the introverts. Whereas, like in in real world training, a lot of the introverts are quiet and they kind of sit back and they don't really say much. But with the chat function, they feel like they can just type in a little message like, you know, can you explain a little bit more about that point? And 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 suddenly, as a trainer, you've got that you've got that input quickly and you can jump on that. And I really do think the chat function is something that is actually, I don't know, it makes training, I think, more effective than less effective.
0: Totally agree, and and it, one of the things that I try to do if I have a large uh, group is have a chat monitor
1: mm, who will that's be, perfect. yeah you know,
0: taking a look at what's coming in and and they they serve two roles. The first is to address any questions that don't need to be elevated to the
1: group exactly. discussion, like yeah, technology
0: yeah. challenges. I can't see you, I can't hear right, you, right. or um, whenever you are soliciting questions, they can kind of call those. And whenever you stop, you can say, "Hey, are there any questions that have come?" Mm. In and they can be like yeah you know ben wants to know blah 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 and it just makes it easier for you to be able to kind of negotiate going from you know your verbal delivery into addressing what's going on with the text and, and just it, it just makes for easier facilitation
1: I, I agree yeah that's that's really helpful we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors is your boss a jerk i understand you're in the hospital but i'm gonna need you to come in today do they lack any ability to actually lead people oh it's fine i'll, I'll just find somebody else that can do it okay john is offering a new service just for you for only ten dollars he will anonymously mail a copy of his best-selling book i have the watch to your boss with a personal note go to i and enter the discount code boss at checkout It's what I drink every day. Bottom Gun is offering a discount to the listeners of Deep Leadership. Go to BottomGunCoffeeCompany.com and enter the discount code DEEP at checkout. Bottom Gun Coffee, the taste that's qualified. So uh, let's talk about your book. So Suddenly Virtual, Uh, who was it written for and what makes this book so unique?
0: So I feel like it is coming at the right time, at least that's what I'm hearing. (laughs) Because, you know, whenever the pandemic hit, everybody just jumped to do whatever worked. Uh, And it wasn't necessarily what worked best. It was just, you know, emergency mode. And so now that we're over a year into this, I think people are trying to be more strategic. So our goal with this book was to make sure that it was data-based, science-based, and had best practices that were Easy to implement. So, my co author is Dr. Joseph Allen, and he is one of the foremost thought leaders in meeting science. And Joe and I met uh, because we were doing a webinar together for a mutual client uh, on the modern meeting. Mm. And at that time, this was the beginning of March 2020, we were talking about, oh, three, five, 10 years out, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of virtual meetings, and video will probably be at their core. Um, Well, then middle yeah. year. 20, march 2020 everything you know went haywire and we ended up seeing all those things that we suggested would happen in years happen in like three weeks so so yes. we went off to our different um you know spheres of influence he he started doing a bunch of research on what was happening to meetings uh in a virtual world i was tr- you know like drinking from the fire hose of people saying please help us to do this right. better and a couple months later we we kind of reconnected and realized that we were working on the same problem and we thought how can we amplify the message uh, and help more people to be better at these meetings, which are going to be part of how we communicate from here on yes. out? Yes, yes. So that is kind of the origin story of the book, uh, and it is designed to help uh, anyone who is having to get business done through a webcam Uh, so (laughs) i know from my experience that's pretty much everyone but uh, you know the areas of of specific um need would be um you know in sales for sure because you're you're trying to go from the handshake model to one where you're building relationships through this uh through a piece of glass um you know lots of work uh with telehealth um helping hcps healthcare professionals to be able to manage interactions with their patients um you know truly anyone in business uh who is trying to keep uh their teams uh you know cohesive uh whenever people are far flung uh so there, there's so much applicability really across so many industries and verticals um that I feel like there's value for it um you know whoever uh you know picks it up
1: oh, that's great i like the fact that it's data driven and it's science based and uh that that makes it unique it's not just a uh you know one person's opinion although expert opinion but still it's good to see things backed up with the uh, with data
0: well what was interesting in the the writing process john is we both would take um chapters and be the take turns being the lead author okay and so joe would write the first draft of the chapter which was very science based and i would come in i'd be like Oh, and I saw that happen with my client oh, when they me. did blah blah blah, and the opposite would happen for me where I would be the lead on a chapter, and he would come in and say, and the reason why they did this is because of this, you know, you know, science, blah 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 blah, blah you know, re- media richness theory. So I would um, call myself his color commentator. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes, he was the science perfect. guy, yeah. and I'd be like, and now let me tell you a story about how this plays out. So it, it's actually a really great collaboration that I feel nice. so fortunate. Uh, to be a part
1: of. Oh, that's nice. I like that. I like that. So, you know, we talked a little bit about um, when we started out, we talked a little bit about having, it's more of a conversation and less about a, you know, presentation. And so, you know, what what are some of the barriers to effective, you know, screen communication and how can leaders overcome them? What are some of the barriers that, you know, one of them is obviously trying to fake it or trying to be too plastic right, right not being right. authentic so going into the oh,
0: presenter mode
1: yeah so what are some other barriers that leaders have to watch out for when they're doing this type of communication
0: well i think one of the biggest challenges that we all encountered immediately is that for the first time we were seeing ourselves communicate in real time <laughs> and that oh, was right. disconcerting and yes. distracting right uh and what I would often see is people who would spend all of their time looking at themselves on the screen and monitoring (laughs) their performance. And when you do that, you change the way you're coming across. Mm. So one of the recommendations that I make is to, uh, if possible... Take yourself out of the equation on nice. Zoom, For example, you have the opportunity to click something called "Hide Self View." Yes. <laughs> so click that. Don't give yourself the temptation of watching yourself because trust me, nothing exciting is going to change once you have your <laughs> setup.
1: Right? You're probably
0: right. not going to vary too much. So just put yourself in the, in a more typical conversational situation where you're just able to see the person that you're conversing with. Mm. So that is a big one. Um, the other one that I see often is is uh, people are having a hard time figuring out how to adjust their delivery. Because when you're talking to somebody face-to-face, you're constantly monitoring mm. them to see how your message is. Yeah. yeah. Like, like may, maybe like people are going, mm-hmm, and nodding along that maybe somebody's nodding off. And then you can, you can change what you're doing in order to try to reach them right, right. when you're talking to a camera. It can be much more difficult to do that. You know, you can have some nonverbals, you know, as right, a result right. of video, but you have fewer data points because you're limited by the screen. But what I would suggest is you still have to remember that if you want to speak with um, impact and influence, you need to be focusing your energy and your attention primarily through the camera but you can still steal a glance down and 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 yeah. get a quick snapshot of, of what people are thinking uh or feeling about how you're presenting uh you don't need to stare at them like i don't need to stare at you john and see if you're like <laughs> smiling or like i i can i can look down quickly um, yeah. and and just use the camera as um you know or interact with the camera the way you would with the person face to face i like that you don't stare at somebody when you talk to them, you know. Right, right. You, you glance down, you look up, you think about what you're going to say next. Consider the camera to be uh, a face and then actually treat it as such.
1: Mm. And that's hard to do. I mean, imagine you you know you're actually a trained professional at this, right? You yeah. you spend a lot of time looking at, you know, that little camera lens which some of us are just doing it for the first time like, all right, what is that? So Right, right. Uh, but you know, it's interesting you you brought up one thing and and I think I'm probably a very empathetic listener like i i spend a lot of time talking with employees and i really do like the face to face and i do i do get a lot out of the nods and the you know and and you know and really paying attention to the cues especially like when i'm doing a live presentation i'm i'm looking at people in the room and seeing who's paying attention and i try to you know i'll i'll, I'll you know push my voice a little bit more to one end of the room if I see some people yeah. nodding off or getting bored right. so but yeah. you know you're, I'm always gauging the audience I'm really I'm really spending time looking at the audience and are they getting it are they understand even even one-on-one discussions and I think that is a little hard for me when I'm when I can't see you know or when I have like 50 squares and I can't really quite see like yeah. faces and, and yeah. you know yeah. are, are they getting am I getting through to them and are there any tips to how you how, how to best um you know, sense how people are doing when you're seeing just a bunch of little tiny squares?
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing that I would recommend is at least you're saying you're seeing squares. What I see oftentimes is people will spend the entire meeting sharing their screen. So suddenly it's not 50 squares. It's like maybe a strip, you know, of of, of five to 10. And in that situation, it's nearly impossible to read the room. So, you know, obviously visual aids Serve a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, they help you to convey information. However, there is Oftentimes a reliance upon them, uh, and they become visual crutches. Mm. So, if you are somebody who is throwing your slide deck up for twenty minutes straight, know that that gives people ample opportunity to do something else. They're going to yeah. check out, yeah, um, because it's too static. So, anytime I'm doing any sort of presentation, I'm constantly moving in and out of screen share uh, because it. what it yeah, yeah when you take the slide away. Mm. And it automatically re-engages them because you change their virtual environment.
1: That so is a really that's really important tip. But something I've, I've done a couple of training where we've done that. We've did, showed like three slides and we came off and we had a conversation again. Yeah, that's a really important um, point that you make up. That to change change the look, you're not just droning on about slide after slide after slide. You take that down. You have a you can see their per- person's face again. You can engage them again. I think that's an important point.
0: And and the key too also, John, is that you have to move them off the default position of passive Mm. observer, because that's how we have been conditioned to uh, engage with screens. We watch TV, we watch movies, but now we want people to be active participants with screens. So what I would suggest is always be thinking about what you can get people to do. (laughs) So that can be doing a short answer in chat, you know, asking a quick question. You know, yep. I, I yep. do that often where like I, I talk about the power of the pause and I say, you know, how many seconds do you think that pause uh, was after the example that I just showed and and put it in chat and people will go eight, five you know, And, and yeah. but they're yeah. doing something. Um, the other thing, you know, use polls. Um, yep. You know, it, it's great for you because you get kind of a, a quick look at how people feel about something, but it also is getting them to do something. Um, voice opportunities are huge in a virtual setting. Um, it's important in any meeting, but it's really important virtually because mm. that's what keeps people tuned in. So for you, if you're trying to read the room, I would say, you know, do those three slides or less yeah. and then pop out of it and then try to start driving discussion. Yeah. And yeah. The, what I look for when I'm driving discussion is some nonverbal cues that might indicate somebody has something to say. Uh, mm. So for example, if somebody leans toward the camera, oh, that's usually yeah. a Precursor to them saying something. Right. If somebody unmutes themselves before they even utter a word, I'm saying, Hey, John, it looks like you might have something to add. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: That's and they true. might say,
0: Karen, yeah. I don't have anything to say. I just hit oh, yeah. that by accident. Like, That's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have you err on that side than just kind of sit there in silence because one yeah. of the big cha- biggest challenges is you have um, people not knowing when it's their turn to speak. Yeah, so if you yeah. proactively give them the floor, you are able to minimize that kind of stunted and stilted conversation that often occurs in a virtual setting.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I do see hand raises too sometimes. like oh, you're back yeah. And back In elementary school, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, but it works, I and mean, you it can really do like does, a little yeah. emoji hand, you know, or a little oh, little yeah, yeah, I've seen hand. that as well. Yeah, I was teaching yeah. a class today, and and I, I love this. It, it also yeah. helps you find them on the screen, right? Right, <laughs> right, and then also make sure you you set the expectation if you have a large group uh, that they should identify themselves before yeah. they speak um, because that way everybody can figure out, okay, where are they on the screen?
1: Uh, I think that's great. So, um, yeah, I mean, you've yes. hit, hit some uh, some of the most important. Some of the more important points there, but you know, are there other I mean I really do like what you're talking about here? And when I'm thinking about best practices for meetings, as you know, we enter this post-COVID world where I think there's gonna be a lot more remote work just in general, just based on what what's happened in the world. And and I think people are realizing why do we even have an office? We could probably do this remote, and so I think there's gonna be a lot more remote work and so you shared some of them um, any other best practices we should be thinking about as as sure. we go into this post covid meeting world
0: Absolutely so the the most effective meetings that we found are the ones that are shorter mm. and more purpose driven
1: Yes so I like it that. really
0: Yeah, well, (laughs) you've applied this uh, yourself where you found that, you know, the meeting where you had 10 items on the agenda doesn't necessarily work that great in a virtual setting. Instead, you know, have an agenda with two items and actually accomplish them uh, and then give people back a little bit of time. You know, also don't let your calendar app dictate the length of your meeting by default. It may not need to be an hour, <laughs> you know, take that. a look at your agenda and then that. only block out the amount of time that you truly need to accomplish the task I love at that. End, and make sure the right people are in the room. Uh, long gone are the days where you'd say, oh, you know what, you just come just to be a fly in the wall just in case meetings become very unwieldy quickly if you have too many people on the call. So if you want to have a uh, good discussion uh, with everybody's voice being heard, the sweet spot is like five to seven people um, if you want to have it end in in a decision.
1: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there's a lot more in the book.
0: There is. I could, t- I could talk for a long time about this, John, but I think your listeners would nod off themselves. So.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, so what are you working on now? What do, what do you do? With, what, what, you know, with your company and with the book coming up? Like, what, what are you working on these days?
0: Well, we are so excited. We're launching, you know, the full online training portal, Speaker Dynamics University. So that was a a big lift. Uh, But, you know, early response has been tremendous. So we're excited about that. Uh, There might also be another book coming down. Uh So, um, you know, this one has done well. And so our publisher is excited about having us collaborate again. So uh, it likely will be focusing on managing hybrid meetings. Which oh. is a whole different animal, and has a layer of complexity uh, that it is, uh, is going to require a lot of thought.
1: <laughs> well, I understand you. You teach a bit at Duke University, and I know they. I, I have as well, and they do a hybrid model where you have classroom. You have a classroom students, and you have Zoom students, and mm. it it is it is a, it's very challenging. And that, right. that's the first time I've ever done that, and it was definitely there's a hand over here and it's, it's, it's difficult as a speaker to sort of keep, keep everyone engaged. So I think that's right. going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. And you always feel like you're giving one set short shrift, right. You know, and, right, and, right. You know, and, and, you know, Dr. Allen will talk about the network effect where, you know, when you introduce hybrid, you're introducing multiple networks. So mm. when you're all meeting together, in one room, that's one network. When you're all meeting virtually, that's one network. When you're meeting hybrid, you've got multiple networks because you've got maybe three people in a conference room here. Yes three people in a conference room here and five people joining virtually yes. and you have to get all of these networks to talk to each other so that's yes. going to require a higher level of facilitation uh, than we've seen before it might also require some new roles to be created one of the things that we advocate is thinking about not just having a leader of the meeting but having somebody who is there as a designated facilitator mm. who does not have a stake in the outcome of the meeting wow. but no enough to be able to guide the discussion because imagine if you're the leader who is also supposed to be the decision maker at the end it's a lot to
1: manage it, it yeah. is yeah you know, it so, is
0: so having somebody else who's kind of pulling out that even participation so all voices are heard is really critical so that you come out and come with the best uh, business outcome at the end
1: i like that that's great that's a great idea yeah i've really really thought about that but yes when you've got groups of people now on a conference room where some are in the same room. It then you, you know, there's a whole another layer of complexity there.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Wow, I love it. So uh how can people find out more about you, your company, and the new book?
0: Well, probably the best place to go is to our company webpage, which is speakerdynamics.com. Okay. Uh you can find uh access to uh the books to Speaker Dynamics University, all about the training that we offer. Uh, you know, we have different modalities uh, that we use. Uh, and just a little bit about more a little bit more about me and my team. And, and also our blog is chock full of information oh, great, uh, regarding great. virtual communication, on-camera communication, really communication across any platform. So uh, if people are are searching for um, answers, they probably will find them there. (laughs)
1: Okay, that sounds good. We'll put links to all of your resources in the show notes so everybody can get to it. So so this has been really good, Karen. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all this information. And just uh, for everyone to know, the book is Suddenly Virtual, Making Remote Meetings Work. And it's now on sale. Uh, So pick it up. It looks uh, to be exactly what we need right now at this time. So it's a perfect book for the, the conditions we face right now. So thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for sharing all of your insight and wisdom.
0: John, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, pleasure is mine. I really enjoyed it. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.DeepLeadershipPodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care.
0: Hey there, I'm DC. I host The Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best
1: podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interviews. Electric app
0: Electric ass.